Hello. It's Nia and Trent from the Trident Networks Tournament Podcast. We just wanted to pop in and tell you about the Tourney Pod, where each week we pit different pieces of pop culture against each other in a March Madness-style tournament. We try to cover everything, from movies to TV shows to music to random stuff, like our hotly contested Best Pasta Shape Bracket. You can listen to the Tournament Podcast and all other Trident Network shows wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you'll become an attorney at Pod soon enough, and remember, may, may the, the thing with, with the, the most votes win. Oh my god, hi. Welcome to Disney Adult, the podcast where Chicago comedians review Disney properties from the perspective of adults. And today we are continuing with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I am joined by Miguel Rodriguez, a hilarious comedian and improviser, as well as a good friend. And we are doing what with who? Watching G-O-T-G-2. Let's get right into it because this movie is about how sometimes your parents can use the very childhood trauma they inflicted on you to convince you to turn yourself into a universal devouring lava lamp by using your space powers from your dad, who is also a planet. Without further ado, here we go. Hello, Miguel, how are you today? I am fantastic. Long day, but I'm happy to be here. I know we both, we were just talking about how we have an incredibly long schedule. On that note, we do have somebody who could potentially pop in uh, named Aram, but he is currently still at work. So I don't know what's in the air or what's going on, Um, but it's wild out here today. We're going to be talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. First, we have to start with the... uh, our first, our starting question, essentially. Are you a fan of the MCU? Do you care about these movies? Have you seen a lot of them? What's your perspective? Yeah, great question. I, first of all, I, can I just correct you? It's volume two, not Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, I, I, I didn't I know. know this was going to be like this today. <laughs> no, and I'm not, I, that's, not, that's, not, that's not to answer your, your previous question about whether or not I'm a fanatic or not. I got... <laughs> I was I was rewatching I was rewatching the movies today, and I I made the mistake of saying two, and the person that I was uh, uh, with was like, "It's volume two. And I was like, "What is the? What does it matter? Why yeah. is it called volume two? And I, you know, I get it in 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 terms of like the music and the connection and whatever. Um, I, I've seen so many <laughs> of these, I've seen so many of these movies, but I cannot like tell you that I'm like a huge fan. Like. Yeah. I get dragged to them all the time and I'm down for a good movie. Um, but yeah, like, I don't get it. it. I started looking, you know how Disney has like, you can watch them in this way and this way and this mm-hmm. way. And this way. I, I got overwhelmed. I'm like, why? Like, can someone just tell and me? It's, yeah. It's yeah. only going to become more overwhelming. It, the, the Like, it's wild. I started also on Disney Plus now. They have these things where you can watch like, there's so many movies that use the same characters. You can like pick a character. Oh yeah. And just watch all the movies they're in. Yeah. And just like ignore yeah. the rest, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is insane. You know what though? I love that this world exists for like all the the Marvel nerds that are out there. I feel yeah. like everyone needs their niche. Um, I wish they would have done this for musicals or for other shows or other like mo- movies, but I am so glad you brought up musicals. The only thing connecting any musicals is fucking James Corden. And I read today 
that 30,000 or some crazy number, 30,000 fans started an online petition for him to not be cast in the Wicked musical. Well, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this? Are you like pro or anti? No, I hate James Corden. I have said every time I've ever done a podcast with the exception of my own, I, somehow it's come up. James Corden has come up. I think he's awful. Yeah. I think he's an asshole. I think he's mean to people. Oh, wow. I've heard so many stories of people in LA who've run into him and, and said he's a shitty person. I've heard, You hear industry stories of him like yeah. advocating to pay his writers less money, like showing up to Writers Guild meetings to be like, I'd actually like to pay my writers less. He's so, I hate him. I can't yeah. stand him. Yeah, I really dislike how cocky he is for someone who I don't think is very talented. I mean, he is, what, like, do, fine. Many non-talented people get parts, but, like, shut, like, why are you so, oh. Well, my, my biggest, my biggest issue with musicals that become movies is that there's an entire population, there's actors who train and who are, brilliantly talented who are on stage just just move them move them to the movies move them to the movies keep them there hire them like let's get like people who are incredibly talented i don't know and it drives me crazy yeah the only other thing and we can move on from him is i feel like he plays he's either cast in characters that only amplify how annoying he is or he takes a character that was okay like fine great Mm-hmm. And then he makes it an annoying character that you're just yeah. like, you're going to like, just hate that character. Ugh, so. so gross. And on that note, because I feel the same way about casting for musicals. The thing I feel like people don't understand is like only, maybe I'm wrong about this. I could very well be wrong. I feel like when you make movie musicals, people who are into musicals are the only ones who go. So it's not like casting James Corden is going to bring in all of these like Midwest moms who hate musicals but are gonna go see it because James Corden is in it. I think at this point, I think you're absolutely true about that. I think at this point, because this is not the first petition, it's not gonna be the last petition. He's gonna be no, many, more, <laughs> many more musicals. I think at this point, it's, it's like a conspiracy. It's like, how can we get people, how can we guarantee that <laughs> we're gonna come to this movie? I'm fucking surprised that he wasn't in West Side Story. I'm gonna oh, say that right now. Yeah, yeah. He should've been Maria. Oh my god! I can't wait. He's gonna be in like the Dreams Girl revival. They can't. We can't get rid of him. Like, oh my, no, is he really? No, no. that's a joke. <laughs> could, could you imagine? <laughs> he plays Effie. Like, uh, this, this is. We have to stop this now. He's out of control. Oh, I'm surprised oh. he hasn't done one of his like sidewalk or uh, whatever they're called. Those musicals he does in the middle of the road, Dreamgirls uh, <laughs> version, or like hairspray all by himself or something. Oh god. That's the thing. I only want him to be doing musicals in in mid traffic. That's the only yeah. time I approve. And I, you know what? At this point, I also I want him to do like musicals that he shouldn't be in, right? Like inappropriate musicals. Hairspray is yeah. a really good example of one. Yeah, Dreamgirls. He should be in Violet, but like all the like people of color, like <laughs> right? Like he should just be. Oh my god! Uh, I... <laughs> god, fuck James Gordon. Yeah. Um, you know what's so funny? Actually enough with James Gordon. Um, let's get back to the movie that, we, that I made you watch to be here. Uh, so uh, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume yep. 2. I'm going to hop into the plot real quick. Um, also, let me set a timer on my phone because sometimes we can go long and <laughs> we do not need that for this. So uh, had you seen the first one before? Because this one really 
actually you can watch them pretty separate but like i feel like these are they lead right into one another did you watch the second one or the first one before you yeah. watch this yeah no definitely i actually as i was like trying to rewatch volume two i started volume one and halfway through i was like let me just go back to the email about yeah. this conversation so <laughs> yeah i had watched it um i did rewatch the first half of it today um yeah definitely yeah so good. So let me, I'm going to hop right into the plot and then we're going to feel free to interrupt with any thoughts or like, don't let me monopolize the conversation. Perfect. In 2014, Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Baby Groot, uh, renowned Guardians of the Galaxy, are renowned. Okay, does this sentence make sense? In 2014, Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Baby Groot are renowned as the Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. I feel like that's a sentence that probably does make sense, but it doesn't sound right in my ears. Um, Aisha, who's that gold lady at the beginning, yeah. leader of the sovereign race, has the Guardians protect valuable batteries from Abelisk, an interdimensional monster in exchange for Gamora's estranged sister Nebula, who is caught attempting to steal the batteries. After Rocket steals the batteries for himself, Sovereign attacks the Guardian's ship with a fleet of drones. A mysterious figure destroys the drones, and the Guardians crash land on a nearby planet. So the opening of this movie is great. This is maybe the best opening in a movie I've ever seen. Like, maybe, that's maybe an exaggeration. That's a lot. But I thought this was so cool. That little baby, like, Groot is dancing around and all this stuff is happening. Um, oh, I, I love that. I thought it was yeah. so clever. And I know that, like, at the end of the first one, we lose him. Yeah. So to have him, like, come back and, like, just be the, the cutest little like oblivious like mm -hmm. as everyone's like calling to him like save yourself get out of here and he's just like yeah. in his own world <sighs> like i feel like i feel like i'm that some way like i would I, say I, I relate to him yeah yeah you are a baby group if anybody i would be i feel more like a rocket oh do you yeah like a Why? like a creature pieced together in a lab that is like super sad inside but comes off as an asshole um Oh my God! Do you wow, want to we just got so deep. <laughs> we just got yeah. so. But whenever Rocket's on the screen, I do relate to him a lot. I just like I root for him. People are like, "Oh, Rocket's annoying," and I'm like, "No, you guys don't. You don't get him. You just don't get him." <laughs> it's yeah. um, defending too much. Um, but also, this gold lady and all of her gold people. Boy, oh boy, they have a lot of valuables that they just like kind of leave out, and they get really upset when people steal them. Yeah, and, and it, by the way, the valuable, tons of valuables, but we chose to steal the batteries or the, <laughs> or like, yeah, what it, like you could have, you could have stolen anything else, like those wigs, like that long yeah. training of a of a dress, like mm -hmm. the 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 seat she sat on, like any of yeah. that would have been better than batteries. And while were, I, that he didn't need, right at the end, no. of the month, he does not need them. He didn't what does want he care? Them. He just yeah. wants to things like they're cool and probably worth something on the black market. Yeah. Uh, when we were watching, my husband did say, like, while you might think you're Rocket, you actually are this gold lady. When she's walking through that snow, all that snow, yeah. and she's having two people like pull a red carpet for her, that shit is so funny. I that's hilarious. <laughs> that killed me. Ugh. Oh my god. I love you know, one thing, and I know we're jumping ahead a little bit. Please, I, yeah, jump all around. So yes, I'm not like I cannot tell you any of these like beyond in the universe who these characters are and how they relate and if I should care about them. But this movie does such a good job of including like such like funny, like um, breaks from like, and it's not really a serious movie, right? Like no, not at all. Moments, but like even in that moment where they're dragging and she like 
get stuck <laughs> and her like gold woman servant like looks yeah. up and looks down and she just does like a like a huff like I was like yeah brilliant like you we did it's, not need that movement but it's like the texture of it it's yeah. beautiful it's so fun I really am I these are probably of all the because I am like an MC as uh our friend Kayla on the podcast put it a Marvel maniac Ooh. um right isn't that fun that feels that fun, fun to say uh but these movies are always the ones that I'm least excited to rewatch, but then I love them more than any other movie. You know what I mean? Like when I'm thinking about Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I put them yeah. on and I'm crying and laughing. I love every second of it. Absolutely. Um, I loved also when she said like the whole uh, sovereign race are like created to be a perfect yeah. race. And then I'm like, why are you guys getting robbed so often then? If yeah. like, you seem to be bad at a lot of things. Yeah. I also question this idea of like, of like the the perfect race. Like, oh they're yeah, all, they're all very like stoic and kind of sad looking. I was like, I question your your ideals of what is like the per <laughs> the perfect person. Like, they're just like yeah. in the background, like emotionless. Yeah, it's also very problematic. It was like we've created the perfect race. I'm like, compared to who? Like, yeah, what are you talking about? Anyway. Yeah, they are pretty to look. They like I like that they're all monochrome. Mm -hmm. That their eyes match their like their teeth are gold, their gums yeah. are gold, their mouths are gold. I the whole time I was watching it, I was like, "What makeup artist had to come up with how we're gonna do this to like a thousand people? What did they just load up a like a spray tan machine with gold acrylic paint, like house paint?" Well, I, I thought I thought the exact same thing about the entire movie. It's like the gold people, the people who are in blue, the people who are green. The, I was like, how much time? Yeah. Like, I want to know, like, I want to know behind the scenes, like, whatever. Like, movie took two months or six weeks to film. Yeah. How long did it take each person to get in and out of the costume every That's single day? Wild. But it was like six months. It's just like, you really needed to pay these people a lot of money to do this. Yeah, gosh. So meanwhile, Aisha, the, the gold queen, hires Yondu and his crew, who have been exiled by the Greater Ravager community for child trafficking, to recapture the Guardians. They capture Rocket, but when Yondu hesitates to turn him over to Quill, whom he raised, his assistant, Craglin Opfonteri, fabulous, questions his objectivity, and the Lieutenant Taserface leads a mutiny to help from with help from Nebula. Taserface imprisons Rocket and Yondu on the latter's ship and executes his loyalists by releasing them into the vacuum of space. Ooh, boy, this happens quick, but a lot happens. When this yeah. happens. So they crash on this planet. Mm -hmm. First of all, they see this guy like surfing on the, um, yep. the spaceship. They split the little up. Man, the, the little man, as they call him. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you guys know like perspective, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you've seen before um <laughs> anyway they split up because this guy turns out to be like uh star lord's dad who yep. comes out of nowhere i know a lot of crazy things happen in this movie i would be reluctant to believe that just some random man who shows up on in front of me it says he's my father like i would need i'm gonna need to pull a hair sample or something you know what i yeah, mean it's like quick quick to believe this man from space is his yeah. biological father I, and I'm sorry, from the very beginning, I know you're, you know, you're reading a synopsis, but like the what the very beginning of the film is Kurt Russell and um, 
the blonde girl, right? Mm-hmm. Riding in the car. I was like, I do not trust him. No. I don't know. It's a, I don't know if it's a Kurt Russell thing. Like, I just do not trust his face <laughs> at all. But you know from the very beginning that he's the villain of this film, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So not only when he, like, crash landed, just says, like, hey, I'm your daddy. Like, come sit on my lap, <laughs> right? Right. And, and I will... Go ahead. I will say, Kurt Russell looks so much better when he's age appropriate in this movie with mm-hmm. the, the the white hair yep. than when they try to give him that 70s like shag wig or that like blowout I guess because at the beginning when we meet him I'm like this dude is like yikes girl he's taking you in the middle of the forest to look at some like fucked up flower from space and you're yeah. just like I love him so much that anyway I actually thought that the, this film when I I've watched this movie a couple of times and even when I was rewatching it, I forgot the very beginning of the film and I was thinking to myself, there's some kind of creepy like mm-hmm. serial killer, like it's 1970, San Francisco, he's <laughs> Night Stalker, right? Like there's something like, yeah. weirdly, especially because she is so much younger um, yeah. than, than him. Um, <sighs> yeah, so he shows up and good for Star-Lord for being like, F that. He's like, I, I don't believe you're my dad. Yeah, yeah. It was wild. Yeah. So, um, also wild. When they, something that caught me off guard, and it catches me off guard every time I watch this movie. They have this long, really well done scene where they are shooting these people who they've been friends with forever, essentially their coworkers, out into space. Mm-hmm. One, it makes me think how, like, I think, and maybe I'm just a pessimist. We love to pretend like human humanity is go, like we're, all, but that was too real for me. Like people, I I do feel people will turn on. Like mob mentality is a re- very scary thing for me. So when I was watching them take take this guy out, I was like, this is so horrible. Like, they're gonna watch this guy, and then they send him off into space. Yeah. And then the camera pans over, and there it's like lit. They've been doing it for hours. Yeah. That made me want to vomit i could yeah. i was so caught off guard every time i watch it, it it's like too real for me have you have you ever been attacked really, by a mob really, yes <laughs> no no i was gonna say have you ever been in a situation in which like you've encountered like that like scary mob mentality like yes. people would, really mm-hmm. there's been a, a couple times so there's been many, many small times. There's okay. been many small times where, especially when you're a bartender, you see shit on a very micro level that makes mm-hmm. you realize how quickly people are influenced by the people around them. All it takes is like one person to be upset in a crowd for that to spread really quickly. Yeah. But um, in college, there was also, a t- I mean, once again, it's also oftentimes intoxicated individuals. But yeah, I have been in m- moments where like, Oh my God, the cre- nobody's even thinking. They're just going with the like whoever is around them and whatever they're doing. And then when it blows up, everybody's like, "Oh, I, I had no, I wasn't. I was actually just trying to go to the bathroom. I, I yeah. wash my hands of any responsibility here." And it's it's yeah. wild how quickly people could be influenced by everybody around uh, them. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, like I, I, you know, I always say that like a zombie apocalypse or the end of the world scenario, like is too, that is very close to home. So like this idea that like people will turn on you and like, you know, throw you into the universe. Like yeah. I was, in, I was actually in New York during hurricane Sandy and we took the bus from the top of Manhattan to the bottom. And when we got on the bus, it was empty. 
Yeah. Right. And so then it started filling up, whatever. This is during the time in which like the lights went out in half of Manhattan. And it just got really scary really quickly to the point where yeah. like the bus was like, it's full. We just have to keep on going. And people were hanging on the side of the bus, banging it's, it. Uh... At one point, like someone pried the door open, was like literally taking people off the bus so that he can get on. It's like, I was just like, oh my God, like this it's... is, <sighs> yes, this is insane. And it's not like, I'm ready for someone, family, friends to turn on me and, you know, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you know and, why? And we, will, will you do it? Like, I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. That's like, the thing is, like, I think you have to know, because everybody thinks, I think after you see it, maybe this, maybe you'll agree with me. I think most people think that they would never do that. Most people think of themselves above that kind of behavior of, like, I would never be influenced. Like, I can't believe these people do that. But the, I think the truth of the matter is that that is so biological for human beings sometimes to, like, self-preservation kicks in and oftentimes kicks in when there's no need for it mm. that I at least know that that's, with, that's within the capability of being a human. So at the very least, I'm prepared to be like, yeah, I could, I, that could, I could be in a situation where I'm so overwhelmed that I do something like that. Like, it's so yeah. scary to me. I mean, even COVID, like we saw all these, like yeah. anytime there's any remote scare, people stock up on all of these things. They like, people were buying like toilet paper by the truckload. Yeah. And we were like, what if it's wild. It's but I think you're, I think you're right when you're describing the scenario in the bar where like, it just takes one person to like ignite and for everyone. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, I participated in the, like the COVID scare and I ran and like, oh, yeah, me. Right. And, and I did it not necessarily, I, I did it some because I was scared and worried and like, you know, this was like something that was new to all of us. And two, because I was like, oh, well, if my parents and my neighbors and all these other, and so I, I was just, exactly. I was almost like replicating exactly what other people were doing, not fully understanding what I was doing. And yeah. I was being led by, by fear and by, by just literally oh. the blind leader in the blind and that's what happens in those scenarios only it's amplified because it's like yeah people will start to be like okay well we need to get out of here because these people are being crazy not realizing that like we are all feeding into that same chaos it was yeah. wild so whenever this happens in this movie it's like two it's like one of those things where i think it's a it's a, a good scene and a plot to it but for some reason it just like hits home really yeah. and i get scared for them yeah. And Yandu's just sitting there like, yeah, we're about to die. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to die. Oh. Uh. Anyway, Nebula leaves to find and kill Gamora, whom she blames for the torture inflicted on her from her father, Thanos. While imprisoned, Rocket and Yandu bond. Groot and Kraglin, the latter having intended to start the mutiny, free Rocket and Yandu. And they use Yandu's arrow to destroy the ship and its crew and escape. But Taserface sends warns the sovereign before dying okay the way that this plot is written is seems like backwards to me because i feel like this happens much much later we yeah. spend most of the movie on okay let's get here and then we'll like kind of jump around ego a godlike celestial that manipulated the matter around his consciousness to form the home planet explains that he projected a humanoid guise to travel the universe and discover a purpose, eventually falling in love with Quill's mother, Meredith. Ego hired Yondu to collect the young Quill after Meredith's death, but the boy was never delivered, and Ego has been searching for him ever since. He teaches Quill to manipulate the celestial power, and we'll stop right there. So we meet two people. We meet... Yep. Ego, 
who is a planet. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, what's her name? Um, Who hasn't even been referenced here? Mantis. Mantis. uh, Who is like his, I guess, executive assistant? I don't really know. She puts him to sleep at night. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and we have that such a funny moment. We have that whole like, when she describes her empathetic powers and again, one of those moments in which like, yes, it's to explain her, you know, Mantis and what her role is in, in this mm-hmm. universe, but how funny was the, uh, the, the whole um, Drax moment. Uh, I'm like, oh, Drax, I, I have to say that Drax is probably my favorite character. In this he's entire- so good in this. And yes. um, Dave Bautista who plays him. Yes. Is such cool people he is good people at first because wait, he, wait how do you know wait, how do you know here's the thing i on principle and i know this is wrong on principle i assume anybody associated with the wwe is not for me yeah i just assume that i assume no, no, I, I assume too right yeah so that's what i assume about this man but he's so good in these movies that i'm like oh, hell yeah good for you sir then I, one day i was following his instagram because it was like shared that he had shared some incredibly progressive thing his he has like lesbian moms he has all of his stuff is about how much he loves his like how much of a feminist he is and how much and he like my favorite thing as a progressive is when yeah. super like manly wff men just like shit on bigots it's my favorite thing it's I so because it's like the energy that i would like to have or like it's the energy I have with like none of the backbone to be able to fight. So whenever yeah. it's somebody who I'm like, who's gonna kick his ass? Literally nobody. Like fuck yeah, dude. He he's so cool. He's yeah. incredibly progressive. He's sweet, funny. He's so good in this movie. I have become like a Dave Batista stan. Oh, I love that, and I love that you just share that. And like, I, I agree <sighs> with that. Like that sentiment. Like it's almost as though like it breaks it breaks your brain a little bit to assume like or i'm assuming given yeah. his like wrestling background given his stature right like given like yeah. how big of a person he is that he would be you know for all intents and purposes the opposite right in right. terms of his politics but that's so lovely and i think the character is exactly that right like mm-hmm. you know even you know even for how and i use this you know, kindly and lovingly, De Patista, but like dumb at times, mm-hmm. right? Kind of like a goof and kind of a almost like a br- a bro. Yeah, um, but he's so, he's so kind, and I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. When but when he saves Mantis by like holding her over his head as he's yeah. being engulfed by egos, the like blob, brain tentacle or whatever the yeah, fuck, whatever that yeah. is, right? I was just like, oh god, like. I was like, I want a Drax. Like, where the hell, what yeah. planet is he from? And what brothers or whatever they're called, like, yeah. can I have? I'm turning to my husband on the couch, my husband whom I'm married to. And I'm like, <laughs> do you think Drax would think I'm hideous? <laughs> and he's like, why don't you shut up? <laughs> but I love him. He's so good. And there was something I missed in the first movie, like when we rewatched it for the podcast, where he says, like, Drax's people are literal. They don't understand yeah metaphors or anything i must have missed that the first like six times i've watched these movies because ever since then i'm like that makes so much sense and he'd be such a fun character to write for everything he he's so oh i love him i also love mantis too i love that she and there was a moment where she touches him at one point because he's like mourning the loss of his family because his family Mm -hmm. was like brutally murdered by the last guy and she has this breakdown for him. And a part of me was like, oh, I wonder if they wrote that in so that they could have, like... Because, I mean, Dave Bautista, at, 
from my perspective, like, he could be a good actor, I guess. But, like, I'm sure he is not as good of an actor as somebody who's devoted their life to it. Yeah. And then she has this empathetic moment for him. And then the camera cuts over to him. And he is just as good as she is. He's such a good actor. I couldn't, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Pulling on my heartstrings. Yeah. It's great writing. I would admit yeah. that it's absolutely great writing because he doesn't say a lot, right? Like he doesn't have a lot of lines in this film, but what he does have is just like, it's pure gold. It's, yeah. I don't know. I, I actually have to look up who wrote these films because there's something so smart and so simplistic about, and there's so much happening. I think to your earlier point about like, mm-hmm. Even the, the opening, right? Like having a shit ton of happening, but the main focus is on Baby Groot, right? Or in this, oh. you know, the the Mantis scene, like there's so much fucking shit happening, but the main focus there is for us to get to know who Mantis is and her powers, right? I love that. Yeah. How do you feel? Did you like the uh, the romance between Peter Quill and Gamora? I mean, this is, in the MCU, there are very few like true blue romances, very few like we're kind of into each other. Kind of like sometimes it happens, like, we watched the Civil War. Oh my God! And there's a moment where Captain America kisses this girl because she has like a bunch of guns in her trunk. Yeah. And it was so forced and path- pathetic. These two, I really like this movie. I like how much they don't want to say. It. I know it's kind of tropey yeah. and it happens a lot, but I, I, I was bought in. I was like, Yeah, oh, I'm into these I, two. Yeah, me too. And I, I, I like and I appreciated how slowly it went. That it wasn't like in your face. I think we know pretty early on, right? Like especially when he does the. Uh, when he's meeting with the gold woman and he's like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. Like, she's like, would you show me your archaic ways? He's like, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to do that. And Hell Gamora, yeah, baby. Like, yeah, Gamora is like, <laughs> will you? Like, yeah. with her eyes. <laughs> he's like, no. Like, <laughs> I think though, I think that's like pure gold. Like, that's all we needed, right? Like, yeah. we just needed small drops like that. You know what? This is, I don't know why I jumped out. I looked over a word on this thing and it made me think. Okay, so ego. Let's talk yep. about ego for a moment. Yep. Ego is essentially a brain from space <laughs> yes. that became conscious and then started building matter around him. Yep. I am, and maybe this is why I am a more science-based individual. When they introduce that, that is something that is supposed to be like, okay, he, he is like a, a god and he was here from yep. the beginning of time and just like continue forward with the story. Yeah, I cannot focus on anything for the next five minutes after they introduce that other than like, well, who put the brain there? <laughs> like, that's where I can't like, yeah. and they're going on and I'm missing plot points. I'm like, yeah, but it's a brain in space. Yeah. Who put the brain there? And then later when they see it and it's an actual brain, I go through another five minutes of like, yeah. see now it looks like a brain. So yeah. somebody had to have put a brain there. Who's yeah. building the space brains? Yeah. <laughs> Which brings up a really good point around, like, I get it. These are movies, and, yeah. like, you have to draw from something, mm-hmm. and it's relatable because these people look like people, and we need actors, et cetera, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And also, like, why does it have to be a brain? Why can't it be a mass of, like... a like, gas cloud. Yeah, a gas cloud, or a bunch of, like, tentacles, something. or... Or something like and a I poly that, pocket or yeah exactly <laughs> and, and for every we don't meet a, we don't meet well we do meet a lot of other like species in these mm-hmm. movies right um but they're all like resemblance of like dumb human behaviors yeah right? I would think that like even the gold people are right? like I would think to myself like which who is the most evolved here who is like 
who has a little bit more with itness than like yeah. than <laughs> with itness <laughs> yeah good. right <laughs> oh my god but yes who put the freaking brain into space yeah i mean it's very funny i just anytime that that happens you're like first they do this in these movies a lot where they're like um in the thor 2 the one everybody hates they're like before anything was darkness and from the darkness came the elves i was like but who put the elves in the darkness how do they look like elves why are they just coming from the darkness like no nobody's done any of that research yeah. Ugh, anyway um so ego is a god he's essentially a planet his face is on the planet nobody else lives here gamoris is the first one to start being like because i mean i and i understand if you well actually i don't understand i imagine that if you are without your father for most of your life and then you find out that this man is he knows your mother's name and all this stuff and you find out that he is your father i you i would probably look past all the red flags yeah as well but gamora is she is she's the friend you want she's yep. scoping around like whole planet nobody lives here interesting like this girl has to put this guy to sleep with magic powers because he's so like fucked up interesting but nobody believes her and then out of nowhere her sister flies a pl like a plane into her <laughs> like that first of all the fight scene is so funny it's so like in the comics gamora is supposed to be the deadliest woman in the galaxy she's supposed to be like the, and she is she i mean she very much is a great fighter in this but she seems yeah. like no better of a fighter than any of the other people yep. up until this point yep but that fight scene between her and her sister is my husband said like this is how sisters fight yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. they are out for blood and then yeah. right when like right at the end of it like right when it's like time to kill her they're like get your shit together let's go have a bite of something to eat have you did you read uh the comics not these particular i i have read many marvel comics and yeah. i have known about the characters within this comics i've seen like crossover right. events but this one there's a ton of ones that have been incredibly successful movies that i just never cared to pick up like i never cared about the guardians of the galaxy yeah um but i do know from other installments that gamora is always touted as the deadliest woman in the galaxy yeah most of and i appreciate that because i didn't know that that's uh i didn't know that um i liked the i like the sister storyline a lot again it's one of those like mm -hmm. things that like felt unnecessary when they like going collector and then she's on this like ship for most of the movie yeah asking to like eat food that's not ripe yeah. uh which i think is again another this so movie, funny. <laughs> it's so fucking weird and funny um but i agree with you i love that fight scene i love how it ended and then the again i'm jumping ahead a little bit but the very end when they hug well, gamora has so much more emotion so much more empathy so much more just like yeah like humanness than her sister and her sister just kind of like stoically like stands there yeah. in a hug um how so lovely good yeah. i love their story yeah i love it i love it for multiple reasons one i love that we never see i mean i guess we do see sisters and stuff but i, I feel like so rarely in a blockbuster movie do you see a relationship between two women that's not centered around either a, a male lead or yeah the yep. plot sometimes you get away with it being like oh these two they're just in it with the plot which is also cool uh but to see like an and the other thing that people so i feel like we never see in movies we don't see that often in movies maybe i'm just speaking out of my ass are relationships that have been a lifetime together 
Like there is something different about writing for two people who have known each other their entire lives versus people who met a couple years ago. Yeah. Because we have so many relationships to pull from if you're writing of people you met like six weeks ago. It's very different between like the the quick, that thin love-hate line between a blood or a sibling that you're raising. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. They're so good. Yeah. And they're badass as hell. She's got the, her arm is like all like fixing yeah. itself. And the, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I guess the only other thing to add to that is I think the texture I've seen, a, I've seen many of the other Marvel movies. There's so much more texture in the, these movies because you have simultaneous plot storylines, not even plot storylines, but like, like sub storylines mm-hmm. that help to create or make the characters feel three dimensional in a way that like, I'm sorry if you love the Captain America movies, but that feels very like, one no, and we're yeah. one character, and maybe the, Cap- the Captain America movies feel like you put an American flag in a witch's cauldron, and then out came a superhero. Oh my god! You know what I mean? Like yes, he's such a ver. I hate him. Oh my god! Yeah. All we do is shit on Captain America in these podcasts. I mean, they're getting to the points where now we're gonna have to start defending him because he has like one good storyline in one of the upcoming m- movies. But God Almighty! Oh my god! Captain Hey Val. Hey Al. Welcome to the Deep Commentaries trailer. Welcome to you and welcome to all our potential listeners. We're just two pals re-watching, reviewing, and reliving in the glory days of all Disney Channel original movies. Join us every other Tuesday for games, laughs, and chats about all of the hot dads. Looking forward to having you join us for Deep Commentaries, as well as all of the other podcasts here on the Trident Network. Find us wherever you pod. So uh, Mantis. Oh, so here's the other thing. Well, I don't know. Mantis starts hinting that something bad is happening. She Mm -hmm. knows what's going to happen and she starts to like these people and she wants to give them a heads up, but she doesn't feel like she can. I get that. This guy's probably hella scary and is a planet. You cannot run from somebody when you live on them. (laughs) Wait, do you, do do we have this? I mean, this, this is maybe where, like, even watching it twice now, like, I missed. Do we have the sense that she knows the bigger context? Like, literally, like, right? Yeah. Do we have that sense? So, yes. And I only picked it up. I've probably seen this movie four or five times before this. And that's an amazing point because I just picked it up on the last one. She oh, wow. has a moment where she tries to pull, I want to say it's Drax. Oh, yeah. She tries to pull Drax away and say, like, I have to tell you something. And Gamora comes in. And she doesn't feel comfortable doing it. And then Gamora oh, wow. is really aggressive and is like, you know, what were you going to tell Drax? And she's like, oh, it's nothing. We were just talking about um, how ugly I am or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and then she later, like, spills the beans. Yeah. So Mantis, Ego's naive empath servant, grows close to Drax and warms and warns him of Ego's plan. Gamora and Nebula also learn about the plan because they see all these bones in the middle of the earth. Yep. Rocket, Yondu, Groot, and Kraglin arrive. Reunited, the Guardians travel to Ego's brain at the core of the planet, during which Yondu reveals that he kept Quill to spare him from the fate of Ego's other progeny. By the way, learned a new word. Yeah. As they come under attack from the Sovereign's drones, Rocket makes a bomb using stolen batteries, which Groot plants on the brain. Quill fights Ego with his newfound celestial powers, and this is the big fight scene at the end. A couple things right off the top. One, what a great way to set up additional conflict in the scene. These sovereign people who just seems like a 
an introduction at the top and then they come to add like weight and, and scariness uh-huh. at the end. Two, great writing for all of these characters all around. Yep. Having Groot, baby Groot be this sort of new, new thing where you can't trust him. You don't really know what's going to happen. It really leaves it up to chance towards the end. Um, having, I mean, it's just so well written where you are really actually on your at the edge of your seat the first time you watch this. Yes. That is so rare in these movies. So often you're like, okay, well, there's going to be, somebody's going to take a couple of good lickings, but then at the very end, what, Captain America's going to pull out his Frisbee and conquer all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. One of them would be positioned to be the hero of it, right? Like, yeah. I think to your point about the the comics, like Gamora would be that person, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, Star-Lord would finally like, and, and in some ways he does, right? I think in some ways like Star-Lord ends up like uh, taking out not the brain ego, but the body ego, yeah. right? Um, he all of a sudden gets his like magic powers and and beats that kind of shit. And Yandu says to him, use your head and that awakened him. And he says, don't use your head, use your oh. heart. Cause that's what I use to fly my like whistle dart. Oh, okay. That all makes sense now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? You're like, what else would you use? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, what a cheesy line, use your head. And then he gets engulfed by the by this mass, this rock, this blob. And I'm like, by the way, yeah. My husband confirmed this last night, so I'm not this is true. Honest to God. Yondu is my father. That is exactly how my father behaves, how he sounds, how when he talks, it is like a spitting image. It is why yelled is so your father it, is your father in like the army like was he military army he was or... not no he does sleep with a gun under his pillow <laughs> but he was not in the army but he is and my dad's funnier than yondo my dad is Uh-oh. like he likes to be funny he likes to crack jokes one of his best jokes is anytime any you ask where anybody is yeah it's an ongoing joke he's been telling for 40 years you ask where anybody is he says um said something about they couldn't take this shit anymore and left <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, but he so much. Yandu reminds me of my dad so oh, much. Yeah. Like the gravel in his voice. The way. Yeah. The, and come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. So good. So at the yeah. end, when they have this beautiful father son scene, uh, oh. I'm on the couch crying like I should call my dad. Oh, he my would God. die in space for me. Oh God. And how everyone, or how Rocket knows, like yeah. it's gonna happen. That was such a beautiful Rocket moment too. Yeah. Where he ends up having to like take out Gamora to be like, I'm not losing two friends here. So I think that is maybe one of the most beautiful moments in all of these movies. Yeah. Because okay, the father son is actually absolutely beautiful. One another reason why I think they should kill more of these characters off instead yeah. of like wanting to bring them back for future movies for like to cash in on them later. Sure. Because it adds so much weight. Yeah. But the father-son thing is something you see. We see a lot. We see, like, parental love. Yeah. To see someone, to see Rocket, who has struggled this whole time with, like, admitting he cares about all of these people, to then yeah. make a, a a difficult choice. Ugh, it was so good. The way it was shot, yeah. the way he was looking at that thing as it closed. And I don't, again, I don't know the Marvel movies as well as you do, but, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. There's something, you know... Captain America at all, right? Like this group of people. Yeah. They're positioned to be clean cut, 
mm-hmm. Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Like good, 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 you know, good people. Exactly. You know, we, eat a lot of casseroles. Right. Exactly. We expect them, right, to operate in that way. But we, are we ever going to see one of them like take out a friend? You know. Yeah. No, and, and that become a difficult decision. Maybe not. Right. Yeah. This movie, though, these characters are flawed and yeah. they're funny and they're Ugh. and they're mean and sarcastic and they laugh at each other and they support each other. Like, there's so much more dimensionality, I think, here that having Rocket, who literally started a lot of this, or didn't yeah. start, yeah, 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 but kind of exactly, like, right? They so, would not be crash landed on some random planet had it not been for Rocket. Exactly right uh, for something he didn't even want. To then, like, you know, to, for him to get teared, teared up when Yandu, when he knew that Yandu was going to sacrifice himself to save his son, and then to have to like make the sacrifice of like, you know, effort, teammate, you're going, you're going down right now because I can't lose another person. Like, oh, so brilliant, so good, yeah. Oh, and then the fight scene at the end is just, it's, yep. it's wonderfully done. You don't spend too much time on one character. It's, it's well balanced between everybody. Yep. There's that moment where, like, Ego has his brain tentacles around everybody. Yep. Uh, by the way, another thing that I, I have trouble, and this is just a personal thing, I always have trouble in, um, one of the reasons I like the Marvel movies, and I've said this a million times on this podcast, is because normally when they set up a big destruction, the next movie has consequences for it. Like, they, aliens attack New York and they destroy New York. Now the next movie is everybody's sort of adjusting to that. And what does that mean for all of us and blah, blah, blah. So I love that. I have a real problem in blockbusters when there's a a large amount of destruction that is, that is never explained as to what happens to it. Not that they need to, I think it would be bad to do that. I think it would make the movie like drag, but it is a part of my brain similar to the, the space brain where I'm like, who cleans that up? Who's gonna like, what's going on? When Ego's plants are, like, vomiting rock pudding all over the place and, like, destroyed that uh, Dairy Queen, I could – I spent the rest of the movie thinking, like, do they chip that away? Do they, like yeah. – what happens to these blobs? Yeah. 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 Or are they just a fixture that you then go take photos with? Yeah. Like a tourist destination. Do you watch um, The Boys? Is that what it's called? I have watched – the first four episodes, but you can, and if you want to spoil anything, this no. is, okay, okay, okay. No, 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 we're not, we're not spoiling anything, but I, okay. but I, but I love that you bring it up, this, like, the destruction, because it's always the number one thing that I think about in all these Marvel movies is, like, a car went through a building, like, how many people die? Like, yeah, <laughs> but I think, I think the boys covers that a little, not, like, extensively, but they're, like, yeah, like, this person just got killed because I yeah. ran super fast into them. Or at the, yeah, at the very least, like when New York City is destroyed, while they can rebuild those things, like all the people who worked in those buildings, yeah. what are they going to do? They're out of jobs. Like, I'm we so can't... sorry. But how many Marvel movies take place in New York and they destroy New York? That's yeah. like the number. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Who's building it? Which person is building <laughs> New York this quickly? It's wild. Like, have it in Kansas or something. Have it in the middle of nowhere. Have it in, like, the Appalachian Mountains. You can take out a bunch of trees. Oh It'll look really impressive. But ultimately, like, 
maybe a couple houses get destroyed. You are pissing off a lot of people right now. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm from, I, okay, I, I apologize for like the Kansas or whatever I said. I am from Appalachia. They can kill, they can destroy my house. Um, but I mean, <laughs> well, I'm not from Kansas. Sorry, Kansas. <laughs> or like have them like drop in the middle of the, I guess that's not as dramatic, but. Yeah, no, um, no. Uh, so then that essentially brings us to the end during, oh, the, the very final part that really had me like the, the true last, maybe five to 10 minutes of this is Yondu's funeral, which they do oh. really well. They do this so well. I can't imagine that like a funeral scene that went on for seven minutes would be so good. Like I cared about everything. Everybody's like revealing these big emotional things all the other ravagers show up after they hear yeah. they killed this like child trafficker, <laughs> which is wild. But when they, I don't know why, I guess I just like looked past that. The last, sometimes like these movies are so dense with information and names you've never yeah. heard of before that you miss things. When they said when um, Sylvester Stallone yes. gets in a fight with Yondu at that like bar. Yep. And he says, you traffic children. I was like, Say what now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, excuse who? <laughs> can I ask? You, can I ask you a, a moment? Yeah, about or, about a moment in that scene. So when we first meet Yandu in the window, and he's with the the robot woman, is he? And he's like zipping. Like he had just had sex with the. It was a prostitute, right? Like a robot prostitute. I think so. And I was thinking when that happened, because it comes right after the Star-Lord shirtless scene. They always have like an obligatory superhero yeah. shirtless scene. Yeah, yeah. And I was a little bit high. I was thinking, oh, my God, they always have a shirtless scene. And then, yeah, it cuts to Yondu literally blue shirtless zipping up his yeah. zipper. Well, then she like turns herself off. And I was there's a, I have a <laughs> lot of questions around like, was she done? Like, does she need yeah. to like, recharge after like, what? that? Yeah, <laughs> um, but 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 you know, but that's the way in which we're introduced him, right? We we're we're told that he's a, a child trafficker. We assume that he's like having sex with these robots, right? Like we just think of him as grimy, right? Like yeah. as so yes. Yeah, so to have that funeral that was just so lovely, and to have those moments in which um, the different kind of species were like saying, "We'll yeah. see you in the star." Like that line, "We'll see you in the stars," is so heartbreakingly beautiful yeah, so good. Uh, i just like wanted like i was crying like i wanted more Ugh. of the characters to like really like there's something just so freaking powerful and it's beautiful they all have these beautiful like fireworks on their ships oh, yeah. and stuff that help you cry i was i was also i was crying from the moment he like freezes oh that through the rest of the movie by the way i, I would was, like to I, mention I, I that you just acted that i love that you just acted that <laughs> That he freezes. <laughs> and also, I would like to mention, while Yondu does remind me of my father, my father is not a child trafficker. He's oh. not. <laughs> <laughs> but he does live in the Appalachia region, yeah. so we're going to destroy him. And we were raised with a robot that that was sexually active, I know. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh my lord. But this movie oh. is so good. So and then that essentially am I missing anything? That kind of brings us to the end of the movie. Oh, the very, very end of the movie. So like blackout and it comes back when uh Yandu's when uh what's his name is trying to work Yandu's. Yeah. Oh, by the stick. way, there are count them five 
end credit scenes in this movie. Yeah. We were going to turn it off because we sometimes touch on the end credit scenes. It doesn't make a ton of sense to like go for them because by tomorrow another episode will be out where we're talking about the actual movie. But these end credit scenes kept going. This one guy's trying to do the thing, the yeah. arrow. So funny. Drax is I so do. funny. I think, yes. At so every cool. turn. Um, There were, what were the other end credit? There has to be a series of mid-credit and post-scenes. Kraglin takes up uh, Yondu's telekinetic arrow. Uh-huh. The Ravager leader. Oh, we like see another team of Ravagers. It's like a Guardians of the Galaxy made up of like superstars that I want to see their movie. Like I want to see. So yeah. um, what is that? Oh, God, there were three actors in there. Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Michelle. Let me, let me look this up. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Volume 2. Ravagers team. But there was a ton of good credit and credit scenes that... Um, I may have missed the last couple ones. I'm going to go back and watch it. Eh. I mean, you, you kind of get it. Some of them they don't deliver on. Like, this... They show essentially a ton of Ravagers that you kind of see throughout the movie joining yeah. a team at the end as though they're going to do something with that. Yeah. I hope they do because they, they looked incredibly interesting. But at the very least, it was probably like a tip of the hat to something in the comics if you read the comics yeah. that you know. Because they never come back anywhere. Yeah. Um, It'd be a good way to expand this universe, right? This this part of the universe. Especially given yeah. that the next movie is going to come out in, what, two years? No. What? What year are we? 2021? I have no idea. Sometimes 2023 I mean... is when volume three is supposed to come out. Yeah. Uh, that is so funny you say that. I was looking at something earlier today because I do in benefits. I work in benefits. We have to deal with dates a lot. And we're setting up open enrollment. And I, for five minutes, couldn't figure out what year we're in. I was like, so we're in 2021, right? 2020 ended. I know that. But also, <laughs> I keep hearing 2022. Has that started yet? <laughs> like, so I got to leave the house. Yeah, as it started and I wasn't invited, like, yeah. where was, where was like, my invitation? Yeah. I thought people would, like, light a cannon or something. Like, a firework or a gunshot would go off to let us know it had started. Um, <laughs> so we like to ask a couple questions. One, yes. not comparing this to Marvel movies. Our first okay. question is, as a movie in general, on a yeah. scale of 1 to 10, yeah. what would you, Miguel, give this movie? I think it's like a solid eight or nine, like pretty high up. It's pretty, yeah. pretty it's a really good movie. I agree. It's so, so phenomenal. Um, and I'm going to go even further. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Whoa. Now, have I given every movie on this podcast a 10 out of 10 as a bit? Yes. <laughs> Do I mean it this time? Kind of, yeah. I really am. Maybe yeah. it's because I go in expecting these to be my least favorite, but yeah. I leave loving them. Yeah, yeah. You know, what we didn't talk about, and I think that, like, it, it. this is maybe the reason why I push it to a 10. Let's just call it a 10 out of 10 for me as well. Of course. The music is so good and so thoughtful. And, like, and I know it's a bit, I know it's, like, part of, like, the shtick of his character. But, like, every freaking fight scene just has a good song. That like does a not banger. Distract. Yeah, but it, and it doesn't oh. distract from the scene. It actually enhances the scene, right? And what's wild about it, is when I work, I like to listen to uh, movie scores. I like to listen to orchestral music that doesn't have okay. lyrics, that's not going to distract me. And as a huge MCU fan, I'm always underwhelmed because their music is so generic for all yeah. of these. Yeah. And the one movie where they focus on 
non-orchestral music and they do like things you would think would be more distracting it's the best music of any of these movies it lends to the score it's so so good i'm looking at i'm looking literally at the uh the the soundtrack and it's like it's it's fleetwood mac it is cat stevens parliament it's uh uh sam cook george harrison like it is just like awesome it's so good you could put it on Oh, oh, I was just thinking about like when Yandu and uh, Sarah would have a, their moment and it's Cat Stevens' father and son. And you're like, <sighs> of course, of course. Of course. Oh. It's so good. The Fleetwood Mac, because the, the, in the first movie, they're a little more like poppy hits, I guess. Yeah. They're still phenomenal. And it's still, they span many genres. I'm putting them in a box. But I, when Fleetwood Mac came on, I was like, yeah, how the hell? Do you? Because to me, Fleetwood Mac always sounds like fall walking down the street music. But when they introduce it here, it's like badass space battle music. I'm like, <laughs> you guys know what to do. Oh, oh. I love it. So um, 10 out of 10. Wonderful. We yeah. also pull it up on Rotten Tomatoes. And we'd like to have our guests, Rotten Tomatoes, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. We'd like to have you guess, what do you think critics gave this movie on a scale of 1 to 100? And what do you yep. think... Uh, audiences gave this movie on a one. Oh my god okay so i think critics gave this like i i think first of all it's both they're both fresh right fresh to me both fresh yes so i know that for or i feel that uh <laughs> i think that and i think critics are always a little bit lower than than audiences um i'm gonna say like audiences said like 94 and critics gave it like 86 i don't know you are so close critics gave it an 85 oh and then audiences gave it an 87 oh okay so your instincts are still right that the audience score is a little bit higher you'd be surprised when it's the reverse it's always like what the hell's (laughs) going on here um famously the newest movie the eternals has like the worst critic score that has ever happened for a Marvel movie, but the audience score is still like like at a hundred. The audiences are like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. Um, and then last but not least, we have a couple more fun questions. Sure. If you could replace anybody in this movie with Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> and, and Danny DeVito, who would you replace? Okay. I'll go first so you can think. Okay, I am gonna replace. Honestly, I want to see Danny DeVito be ego. I think it'd be wonderful to see Danny DeVito's face as a planet. I love Danny DeVito. Um, and he just is perfect. Rosie, I want to see Rosie as that gold queen. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my answers. Either the gold queen or um, taser face, I think would be very fun. Uh, okay, I want Rosie to be the sister. Okay, Nebula, I can see that. Right? I'd love I to think... see robotic Rosie. Yeah, uh, but I also think Rosie might like you know give us a little bit of like East Coast sass there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Danny DeVito, I mean, come on, this is a no-brainer. Is going to be the robot girl that uh, that what Yandu ends up having. <laughs> <laughs> It's in no lines. It's never explained. He just turns himself off. And leaving the audience being like, did they get Danny DeVito to be a sex robot in there? Exactly. 
literally perfect. Or or the woman who like struggles with pulling the. <laughs> <laughs> Again, no lines. No, not at all. <laughs> looks, looks up and goes, you know, somebody. Yeah. Just, you, know, yeah. like, you know what? And then on that note, make Rosie that guy when uh, Rocket blows them up in the forest, and oh it has God. that that close up on just one random guy. When he hits like the top of the fall, and it's just Rosie O'Donnell as well. We got a lot. Of, <laughs> this is action packed in here. <laughs> and then, last question for the podcast is: Who in this movie has hot dad energy, and who uh. in this movie has hot mom energy? And these can be genderless. It doesn't need to be, yeah. you know, male for uh, dad and so on and so forth. Once again, I will go first. Um, part of me wants to say Yandu, but because he actually reminds me of my dad, it grosses me out. Uh, so I'm gonna say ego. I know Russell is a little, but he looked to me looks so handsome with that white hair. And if he wasn't a child trafficker and also like a murdering psychopath god, I could be into it. Yeah, hot mom energy is, um, for me, kind of Drax. Yeah. I agree with Drax 100%. Okay. Um, um, and, and and Dave Batista, I think, you know, thank you so much, Evan, for like giving me the, the I'm on the Dave Batista train. Oh my God, follow him on Instagram. He's wonderful. I'm, right after this, I'm going to do that because I love a good looking, kind, and like yeah. progressive person. I think I was like, I think. And maybe I'm wrong because I don't really. I mean, as much as I love Dave Batista, I don't really. I like not on his Instagram every day. Yeah, yeah. But I also just learned that The Rock, like Dwayne Johnson, is kind of like good people too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I need to stop shitting on the WWE. They're turning out good men over here. Oh well, not all of them, but (laughs) no, 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 no. no. Let's draw the line at uh, Johnson. Maybe. I think it's a toss-up for me between Taserface and. Well, can I just say one thing? Chris Sullivan out of these movies is pretty freaking hot. Does Chris Sullivan play Taylor Taserface? Yes. So maybe not Taserface, but I know Chris Sullivan. He's uh he's a he's a cutie. Okay. Yeah. Uh but Yandu, I, I would say because Yandu does not remind me of my dad, that Yandu definitely gives off like hot dad energy. Yeah. Uh, especially at the very end when like he sacrifices himself to save his son like oh like that like what even a dreamboat yeah I, I, I you know he doesn't have to be good looking you know whatever no terrible haircut but that in itself is like such a beautiful but, moment. and it's the energy it's the energy oh. of like kind of shitting on everything with love yeah you know what i mean yeah oh. it's like al bundy you know <laughs> al, al bundy from married with children right <laughs> If he were to like go and sacrifice himself, like that kind of yeah. energy. Like, now, Al Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yuck. Oh, God. Uh, um, all right. Any final, before we wrap up, any final thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy 2? I, I thank you so much for making me rewatch this film because I don't think it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. And I don't think I would have gone back myself to like watch it, but. It is such a great movie, such a great soundtrack, very well cast, super funny, like on and on and on. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been a delight. 
Yeah, thank you. Oh, and I'm going to stop recording right. Disney Adult is part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. That is the Trident network.com and also don't forget to follow disney adult on instagram at at disney.adult.podcast